Hey, Benson. Good morning. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing okay. Um, well, well, you know, that's a relative term these days. Right. I am, like I woke I, up not super angry. <laughs> right. right. I, I woke up into a world of, well, what what kind of shit show am I going to deal with today? Um, but I, I, I think that being honest um, about reality, the reality of our lives is pretty important. I, I, mm-hmm. I rose-colored glasses have never worked well for me. Um, right. I, I, I find that when I convince myself that a thing is better than it is, um, it just leads to disaster. So, you know, I take into consideration uh, all of the potential uh, downfalls of a day. And when I accept that if the worst in every one of those situations were to happen, I can handle it and I will survive. Um, then I can also hope for the best uh, result for every one of those situations, which is cause for celebration. Usually it falls someplace between the best and the worst. And so it's good. At least that's how I deal with um, with the challenges of the day. And, and uh, um, you know, I, I looked at a house and uh, uh, great house, great space, great space for me, great space in the basement to work in, uh, plenty of space to teach in. Um, yard with an extra lot, um, great for dogs, and the seller, uh, or they're not the seller, but the well, she's trying to sell it and rent it, either one. Um, before I even got there, was looking for reasons to disqualify me, and that was a little, that was a little weird and off-putting. So as we discussed earlier in our private phone call, um, I was trying to decide if I was going to follow through on sending her the pieces of the puzzle that she will not find online. And I've decided that I'm going to do that with a little bit of uh, uh, editing because there is some some small amount of piss and vinegar in there, and I don't want to <laughs> send any of that. Uh, and, and, you know, we should, we should tell people that most often these uh, phone a fashion friend Tuesday or Friday or phone a fashion fuck up. Um, begin as, as actual real phone calls that are not being recorded. And again, today I, we, we were talking about that situation and you gave me some wisdom and then I'm on to, I hadn't heard from, from my, my partner here and I hope everything went well. And then we started breaking down, um, what was happening there and, and, as usual, one of the two of us uh, will say, we should be recording this. Hold. And <laughs> Holy so shit. That, why are we that, not recording? Why are we not recording? Because we really actually do have real phone conversations that are not recorded. Um, and I want you to know that 90% of the phone calls begin as just real morning calls. I was just calling to, uh, to arrange a time to record today's uh, episode and today's Phone of Fashion Friend. And of course... Uh, we just got into it. So thank you for pausing <laughs> and, and being bright enough and brilliant enough and um, uh, knowledgeable enough to say, we're going to just stop right there, put a pin in it, and let's record this because this will be a good form of fashion. Fuck up, friend, Friday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and we're back on schedule as of today. So I know everything just... looks like it's uploading and yeah, wanting to play happy with each other. I'm like, uh, please. I, I, I've, got, I've got a 99% upload rate here right now. So uh, much better than the other day where it was dropping to 30. Mm-hmm. I knew there would be a problem. Anyway, what were we discussing uh, that you put a pin in? Well, I really find the disconnect 
And maybe it is very reflective to a topic that we've talked before about the undervaluing of work, but the reach out from people who are in that, um, you know, um, fantasy designer mode, um, want to know pricing and generally they're wanting to know pricing for production. That's, that's where their end goal mind is, but they don't realize that there's pricing levels in between. And, um, when somebody comes to you with a very large project, you're, are often um, in, in the industry obligated to give price breaks um, for certain promised um, production levels, or if um, you're a jobber, like, you know, buying fabric bolt quantity levels, or if you're um, an independent um, fabric reseller, like you have been, that you're able to get a discount the more things that you procure through that person who has that expertise. But then when you, when you, they get their goods and it's a sample, it's a one-off, they expect the same production pricing that they were quoted to begin with. And they don't realize that there is this entire structure based on the effort you're putting into it too, you know, and, like and you want me to do of, all that work. I'm sorry. And the, and the case of this particular dream designer, um, all of this was explained upfront. I've done this long enough that you get a whole list of shit um, explaining how we do what we do, explaining that prototyping and sales sample pieces are predicated on you actually ordering production. Um, I give a whole list of terms that they should know, and, and most often, depending on how many of those they're aware of when we begin, it's a really good litmus test of just how far removed from actually understanding our industry they are. And um, by the time they understand all the terms, they understand why understanding the terms was so critical. So yeah. this woman, I was doing prototyping, which I normally charge a minimum of $75 an hour for, for 30 predicated on her ordering multiple sales samples and having us produce her entire line for her. It ends up that she is apparently wanting a one-off, a, a few one-offs, one for her, one for her uh, fit model, who's also a golfer, one for her husband, one for, and, and to see how it goes. And I'm like, then we are going to have to switch the pricing tier uh, and, and since you're actually just wanting me to make a one-off, you're gonna you're gonna pay me for for dressmaking. You're gonna pay me for doing custom work. And now we're looking at hundred and fifty dollars an hour instead of the thirty I'm charging you, which is predicated on you actually ordering sales samples and production. Um, mm -hmm. And like all of that was disseminated to this client before I began. All of this was reiterated to her as she had questions. Over and over and over again, I actually had to ask for um, a, a, a purchase order. I'm like, what is it that you actually want me to make? You're wanting me to give you specific pricing, and yet you have not been clear on the units you're going to want. My understanding at this point is that you want these two dresses, one for you, one for your fit model, a set of shorts for your husband and a shirt, possibly another set of shorts and a shirt for another guy that golfs on the, on the tournament. 
but also that you're going to want sales samples of each of those things, two sales samples, because we've developed a, a trim fit or an athletic fit and a, and a comfort fit. So I'm looking at needing 20 sales samples. Now it makes sense for me to do this at production pricing for you. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and I think it's important to sort of explain why production pricing can be 30 for the same work that I could charge 75 for, or 35 is what I charge for production. I charge 75 for prototyping and I double that for custom work. Mm-hmm. Why, if it's the same amount of work, can I do that? Well, um, if I'm only making one, I am setting up the machines to make one. And there's a setup price. If I'm and you're spending a, $40 a cone of thread. Right. I, I, a massive <laughs> amount of, well, not quite $40 a cone. But well, I'm spending, it depends I, on what I like. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I, it, it you know, this is, this is just spun poly for these uh, knit athletic dresses. But I'm spending a decent amount of money for the thread. Uh, there's a setup fee. Now, the setup fee per machines is 50 bucks. period. And we're using three machines. So there's a setup fee. Why a setup fee? Megan, you can explain that. Why do we charge a setup fee? It takes time to wind bobbins. It takes time to service the machine and run sample pieces of your fabric through it to make sure that the pressure on the machine is set correctly for the fabric that you've chosen and that the feed dogs are not going to cause any um, marring or issues on the final resulting seam um, because they could have been geared for a completely different type of fabric. And so there's a lot of maintenance and a lot of machine observation um, that has to take place. And if that machine has done any color darker than what you have done in the past, then you're gonna need to clean the machine out for that particular project. Um, And so, and make sure that the area has no lint on it. I mean, like there's a lot of cleanup um, associated with even getting a project on a table. And that's Um, just a straight single needle machine. Also, you've got to make certain that you've got the right mm -hmm. needle. Yeah, and that's what you'd like, is this the right needle for this particular project? And then, you know, a lot of pricing also includes the knowledge that you're going to break a needle. So I know that when I'm working on zipper projects that I have metal zippers, I already put in a package of needles for loss, depending on the project size. You mean needles break? <laughs> yeah, you can't you, you put mean, them back together. <laughs> you mean an industrial needle costs a dollar twenty-five, and oh my God, I, and so I expect people to pay for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you mean to say that the machine doesn't automatically just magically work on every single piece? You know, when I'm when I'm dealing with mm-hmm. the uh, cover stitch, I have to uh, raise and lower the feeder dogs to make certain that 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 they can handle the thickness or the thinness of yeah. what I'm setting through. Also, if, if part of what I'm cover stitching is going to be thicker, I have to uh, uh, adjust the needle depth to make certain that the needle doesn't pierce too deeply or mm-hmm. pierces deeply enough that it doesn't lose um, the hook on the bottom. And then yeah. there's the serger. Uh, you know, there's a differential feed that has to be adjusted. There's needles, there's the cleaning, there's the rethreading. Um, so 50 bucks is, is probably cheap because it usually <laughs> takes it usually takes about two hours a machine to get it really properly set up and yeah, then, I can, and then I can, like how many machines are you setting up for that particular project three of them so i'm looking at six <laughs> hours I, I i gave her a huge discount on machine setup because i didn't have much else on my 
table and I, I, I assumed that the machines could stay set up and then she would give me the order and then I would produce the sales samples and we'd be good. Now that 150 bucks um, spread across one item adds $150 for the item. Spread across 150 items adds a dollar per item. Spread across 1,500 items, now we're playing a diamond item. So there's a reason that you want to order in bulk because not only uh, can we make it faster, just the production flow will increase um, the speed that we make a thing by about 33 to 40%, just the production flow. Right. And and in that discovery phase of the first samples or production samples or sales samples, whatever you want to call them, those very beginning pieces, lots of production kinks are worked out. And as production houses, we generally give that information over to other people like, hey, when you get to this corner, you're going to want to do this thing because it's going to make it a lot easier down the road. So like we're... We're actually like giving added value, not just the item. <laughs> right, right. And, and I, you know, I, I told this lady that mm-hmm. you were not actually paying me to just sew it together. You were paying me to figure out how to sew it together. You, you know how paying... mad she would be mad if you had just sewn it. She'd have been well, mad. Well, and, uh, you know, I had to stop and adjust the pattern pieces because they were not correct. Um, and, and I just, I didn't charge her my pattern making rate, which is $275 an hour. I charged her $30 an hour predicated on her ordering more. I just folded that into it, um, added yeah. value. And, and, you know, in the end, uh, when they want an actual price quote, I tell them that I can make something up. We, we, we can probably determined by counting the passes and using our, our, our foreknowledge or our reverse knowledge of having done something similar, we can guesstimate how long it will take. But honestly, we can guess really low and fuck ourselves, or we can guess really high and fuck you. And I prefer not to give sci-fi um, pricing quotes. We yeah. wait until we have successfully sewn a dozen of them with no problem. And that doesn't mean that we've only sewn a dozen. We might have sewn 30 before we sewed that dozen to determine what the best stitch order is. Because there's, you know, a hundred ways to sew a dress, but there are going to be five ways that are really good. And of those five, there are going to be two that are even better. And then of those two, you'll find one that actually cuts 10 minutes off or Mm -hmm. makes it easier to assemble. Uh, In this case, I realized that uh, I was going, because it's a tiered dress, blocked dress, instead of doing it in the normal production way, I was going to actually sew the tiers together, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then assemble them so that all of the weird points met perfectly. So you're paying me to figure that out. You're paying yeah. me to figure that out so that when I actually time my fastest sewer, um, and then diminish that by the 33% that we know will 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 um be deducted from the overall time once we're manufacturing then i can give you an actual results oriented real life quote and mm-hmm. that quote can still be off we may even get faster we may be a little slower when we're doing 100 than we think we'll be but we're not going to fuck anyone at that point we are going to make our profit for for 
creating your line for you. You are definitely going to make your profit by having us create your line for you. And this was not an, a, a, a simple dress. Like every pass was going to be at least two passes and in some cases three passes. Everything had to be cover stitched or top stitched or under stitched or edge stitched to make it work and to give it when you're working with knit you can't really press knit the way you press a woven so a lot of those uh tight creasy things have to be stitched into tightness and into being uh, um uh formed we don't get to press the seam to form it we have to stitch the seam to form it so you know if i'm making a one-off and it's taken me 10 hours to to make um just your sizing sample between cutting the patterns, adjusting the patterns, cutting the fabric, setting up the machines, sewing the fabric, recutting pieces that did not work to, to determine how to actually make them work the way the client expects it. Uh, there's a big difference between uh, $350 for labor and $1,500 for labor. Mm -hmm. So if I'm only making one, baby, you're going to pay me what it's worth. Yeah. And you don't get to to cheat me by telling me I'm going to do production for you so that I lower the price. It's like people, um, most fabric suppliers, most textile mills will actually sell uh, 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 sampling um, pieces, sampling amounts. And I tell anyone who wants to buy sampling amounts, if they tell you you can buy up to 10, 15, 20, 30, buy all of that at a sample amount price. Because mm -hmm. you're going to need all of it to really determine. You're going to make your dress 10 times before you decide that that fabric is actually what you want. Yeah. Um, and then you're going to change your mind because you're bored with that fabric and your pattern changes. And your pattern changes. <laughs> and you know, all, of it, all of that's going to actually happen. Well, you know, uh, so, all of this makes me think about that um, designer, Sarah Blakely from Spanx where she just kept on going to like knitting house to knitting house and nobody would quote unquote, like, you know, um, take a chance on her. I think that that's how the story, you know, kind of originated or the, 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 the lore behind it. But finally she found some hosiery company that was willing to reprogram their machines to knit this footless pantyhose for this woman who had this crazy idea about footless pantyhose. And it's an uncommon story because that's a lot of fucking work. <laughs> and a lot of work, right? <laughs> and the fact that um, she found a hosiery company at a time hosiery was at all time buying low, hungry enough to take a chance on somebody for a brand new product that would be on the market. Like, I think that that's kind of an understanding. But if you're just a designer with zero innovation, innovation, sorry. Well, we all right have now. those Texas moments, honey. It's okay. <laughs> but to have a, such a stellar innovation coming to somebody who's been in the industry for decades, uh, there's, a, there's a big disconnect, Benson. There really Huge is. Huge disconnect. I mean, you know, I what people will call and ask for sample um, pieces expecting a wholesale price. And they basically are like, you have to buy a bold minimum. Um, unless they know you and you have a history of actually following through on ordering 
for those sample pieces, they're probably not going to sell you sample yardage at a wholesale price. No. They're probably going to sell it to you at a retail price until you've got a proven record. And I have that proven record. Do you remember when we were um, uh, out at White Star when we were trying to make that um, incredibly Thanks. dysfunctional group of people um, successful? And mm-hmm. we were we were going to do production for Fuzzy Buns. Shout out Fuzzy Buns. Hi, Tarasan. Um and I needed to call one of my elastic manufacturers in South America to have them uh, knit and send us samples of buttonhole elastic to the specifications that we wanted because right. the source that they had was not doing its job. Yeah, so, and you know, almost you, all elastic is in South America now. Yeah, mm-hmm. Very few people. And, and this is not me patting my own back by any means, but there are very few people in the United States that can call a factory in Argentina and say, I need you to run me 20 yards of this. And they will set up an entire machine to give me sample yardage of an elastic that I may or may not ever order. Why can I do that? Because I have a history of follow through. Mm-hmm. I call the right people who are going to do the right job for the right product. And when that product tests out and works, we order in quantity. If it doesn't test out and work, we will make suggestions. They will readjust what they're knitting for us. And when we get the one that's going to work, then I'm ordering tens of thousands of yards. That's why I can do this. I also have trade partners who order millions of yards. So I, I used to sell that amazing um, American bamboo knit in America, uh, grown, uh, made from bamboo in America. And I would get that bamboo fabric that anyone else was selling for $60, $70 a yard. And I was selling it for $20 a yard. And people were like, how the hell can you do this? This is better than what I paid $60 a yard for. And I say, well, one of my trade partners orders this in the million yards. So I get the million yard price break. And he calls me and says, I'm ordering a million yards. You want me to have him make you a few boats? And I say, yeah, make me make me 500 yards. And 500 yards would give me a nice price break, but nothing like a million yards. Right. So those are the kind of relationships that, that Mark Holland and I worked so hard to build and, and that I've maintained all this time. These have not gone away. So when I'm, I was going to source fabric for this woman and I'm like, I, the, guy, the no. person that you're buying it from in Oregon is buying it from California. I know the company. Why don't we just go to the knitter and see how much they want to charge? Well, if you don't, like no knitter is going to make me less than a bolt. Ever. <laughs> right. Ever. No knitter is ever going to knit me 20 yards of sample fabric uh, to my specification. If they are the mm-hmm. knitter of the fabric that you want, they will just send us a bolt of it. But they're not even... Sometimes I can find a short bolt where somebody has bought sample uh, cut, or they bought a partial bolt, which, by the way, comes with a cut fee. People freak out. There's a cut fee, $30, $50. Well, yeah, now I don't have a 50-yard bolt. Now I have a 20-yard bolt. You've got to pay me to take it down and cut it <laughs> and risk having a 20-yard bolt that maybe somebody will or will not want. So there are so many little, and, and I'm like, I cannot begin to resource from you until you're actually ready to order resources, Right well, now, you continue to order your retail fabric and pay that price for it. Yeah. And so part of the fee is like, I'm putting my reputation on the line trying to do discovery for resourcing for you. And 
if you're not serious about it, I don't want to be calling these people at all. At all. Do you remember the guy? (laughs) And you you might have seen the the writing in the sky and read the stars and thrown a card about it. Uh, So I don't know if you were there, but White Star had a client that wanted to do pet fabric, which is plastic bottle fabric uh, running Mm -hmm. gear. And this motherfucker called up one of the companies that I dealt with, one of the best companies for ethical fabrics, for pet fabrics, for organic fabrics, and told them that I gave them him their number. Oh, God, no. Well, they told him to fuck himself. And then they called me and told me to fuck myself for giving their number away. And I said, wait a minute, I did not do that. I still cannot buy fabric from them. Still. 15 years later, I am on their blacklist because they believe that I gave some unknowledgeable asshole their number. And because he said my name, they actually spent time dealing with him only to realize that he was never going to order production. He was trying to get uh, a wholesale price points for buying enough to do 10 shirts to try it out. And Mm -hmm. it it ruined that relationship. Now, when that guy dies, his son and I have a very different relationship. Some things will be fine. Um, But that's kind of, it's been 15 years. And I, I, (laughs) I like, I I almost got some for Detroit Fabric Company until they ran the credit card and realized who I was and they canceled the order. No, damn it. So, well, well, that's (laughs) true though. Like, but after dealing with people like this, this, this wannabe client, can you blame them? I mean, the thing that I remember when when this email came through, you were 10 days late on delivering the fabric. I told you that I did not believe we could get it done by the 18th since I did not have the fabric till the 17th. Um, I explained to you how rush, uh, uh, super rush and extreme rush worked and that extreme rush was going to cost you four times the amount of, of the garment would normally cost you. And extreme rush is anything... Uh, less than 48 hours. So we all agreed that this garment would be done on the 25th. I had work on the table that was going to take me until the 22nd, three days to cut sew. And by the way, the fabric that I was uh, now going to cut and sew for the sales sample, uh, quote unquote, which was actually just a one-off dress, was not the same sample fabric I was using for the sizing. So I have to start all over and figure out how this particular fabric is going to work under the machines. Yeah. Um, and then they, <laughs> they they wanted it not on the 25th, but on the 23rd. By the way, the woman didn't have to actually have it on her body until the 28th. And I said, if I had the time and were willing to hurt myself, yes, I could do this overnight. It would mean an all-nighter. I would be working 17 hours or, or more to get this completely done. And you would have to pay me extreme rush pricing, which means that now you're paying me $120 an hour. If I would well, do it and I won't. Well, and some of pricing has to do with like, okay, so you're going to have me stop all my production, all anything else that happens to be in that line and wait until you drop your fabric off late multiple days to a week or whatever 10 days 10 days that changes the ready time i mean like how can you not know that and so you know telling new clients if you take them oh help me (laughs) new clients 
know that there's going to be a tiered pricing. And if you're trying to dupe your production house or your pattern maker and like, it's done, it's done, it's done. I want this lowest possible pricing. Well, I don't know. Part of me is like, expect us to do the literal thing you ask for. I mean, that's, that's my, my tistic answer to that. (laughs) (laughs) Like, okay, you want it out of that fabric. Um, Where's your thread? Oh, you want it out of that thread. All right, let's get to it. This is your piece of garbage that you just asked for. And I will tell you, you (laughs) there are cotton sew houses that will do that. Uh, When they were working with that young uh, teenage designer from Austin, she had a cotton sewing DFW, Dallas Fort Worth, shout Mm. out, doing the production. I told them that their patterns were incorrect. Their patterns were made by a dressmaker. Nothing wrong with a dressmaker. Dressmakers are incredibly skilled. However, they are not production pattern makers. They put together... (laughs) The pieces that she sent them patterns for that were incorrect. We had to disassemble them and fix every one of them. So not only did they pay to have it done incorrectly, they paid us to take them apart, cut them down, fix them, and sew them back up correctly. Yuck. So you don't want to make those kind of mistakes. You know, I, I you, you remember we would have clients that, that wouldn't bring shit. And we'd be like, well, we can't start till we have it. And one of the members, that the, the most asshole of us all, um, would would use interfacing that they brought that he knew was wrong and give them a fucked up product that was never going to do what it was supposed to instead of saying, hey, wait, you need to get something different. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I would tell him, look, if they bring you something that's in, remember, these people don't even understand what the fuck it is that we do. It's alchemy as far as they're concerned. We're in here sacrificing chickens and praying to the elder gods to create these clothes in their minds. So what you do is tell them that the interfacing you brought is incorrect. Then you take your fancy ass to the store by the correct interfacing. You charge them for your time to and from the store your time mm-hmm. shopping in the store, and then you mark up the price of the interfacing uh, because you had to do it for them. It's a learning experience for them. I guarantee that they will ask more questions or in the age of Zoom and technology, there's no excuse for that now because you should call me from the fabric store the minute you're confused. Turn your camera and I'll say the one with the orange sticker is what you want. There are lots mm-hmm. of ways. So it, it's just um, cotton cells will fuck you. Uh, yeah. Because they have a they have they have a, a, a schedule to keep, and if you give them the wrong stuff, if you give them the wrong thread, if you bring the wrong needles, they're going to produce your stuff. It's going to fall apart. It's going to feel wrong. It's not going to stretch the way it's supposed to. It's not going to hang the way it's supposed to. The zippers are going to split because we told you you needed a number five zipper, and you went out to Joanne Fabric, shout out Joanne, and bought yourself a number two zipper. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, your invisible zippers do have sizes, people. Yeah. The bigger the number, the stronger the zipper. Bridal gowns, I always do a minimum of a number five because brides gain weight. And then they will still force their fancy asses into a dress. You better have a zipper that can hold that. Oh, no. You start drinking as a bride on the wedding day and your body starts bloating in the dress. Right. I mean, it's it's super uncomfortable. And so you tie a loose corset if you're going to wear a corset. You bump up the band size by half an inch. By half an inch. You're having yourself a nice old country wedding, including some some wonderful baked beans to go with the brisket. Honey, you gassy now. 
and mm-hmm. and and you can bloat enough to split a number two zipper. A number I call them bridezilla zippers, and not to say that every bride's a bridezilla, but this is the way to keep your bride from becoming the bridezilla. Can you imagine putting a zipper in a bridal gown, knowing all of the things that you know can happen to a bride spot? Maybe she started mm-hmm. her period and she's just holding water. You better make sure her zipper doesn't pop because if it does, the entire gown is ruined. You ruined her day. Oh, yeah, totally. So you take steps to keep from ruining her day. She could be the slimmest little size two. You still buy yourself a minimum of a number five because you don't want a zipper that's ever going to split on a woman's wedding day. Be sensible, people. Learn. That's what we're here doing is trying to teach you. It all boils down to all of this innate working knowledge in the industry is what you're paying for and even at a deep discount holy crap i'm still kind of like shaking um you know if i turned my camera on you would you would see it (laughs) but you know like i again i wish that there was more of a respect because of the number of years that we spend in training and observe people's bodies and movements um, as they're relaxed or as they're enjoying themselves or as they have their head held high and they are like in full peacock mode. Like these are all observations that we as designers take in and are able to help regurgitate for your item to be more functional. And so it like, when you started talking about that this morning, I was like, oh, God, other people need to hear this, number one, that there are tiers based off of what you're going to be buying. And if you're buying a one-off, essentially, you're asking me to be your couture designer and I will make the thing for you. But if what you're asking for me to do is a couple samples for your friends, I might be able to do a price break because I've done some of them. But it's not going to be much because I'm having to change everything because this is probably coming back on my plate a couple weeks later. And then, oh my gosh, it's a total hit. They want to have a party and I want to do a hundred of them. Then you probably are going to get a different price break. And so knowing that that's how that tier works, know that what you are putting on somebody else's plate for a workload has value, even though it's some something you don't know how to do. You know, own up to you not knowing how to do the thing and you're paying somebody else to do it for you. It comes with a lot of experience and a lot of um, human observation. I don't know about you, Benson, but I people watch like crazy. Oh, God, yeah. It's my favorite pastime. I watch people. I watch our industry like a hawk. I, I'm, I'm almost a stalker. I watch what people are putting out. I watch what they are saying about what they're putting out. I watch the customers react to what people. And, and I do the same process with myself. I'll always do a small little club show someplace if I've got new cuts, not not just because I'm going to make some money from the door for giving them a fashion entertainment, but because I have real life reaction and I can tell what worked and I can tell what didn't work before I take it to a larger, more important audience where selling the garment becomes the point. So, you know, I mean, how many times have you, and and I don't even have to ask this because I know it's happened. How many times have you watched somebody about to fuck something up and you say, you know, you might try it this way and their ego will not allow 35 or 45 years of experience to enter into what they think they should do. And they go ahead and do it. It fucks up in the exact way 
You told mm-hmm. them it was going to fucked up. They turn around and act like somehow it's your fault for not bitch slapping them into submission and doing it the way you told them to. How many times has that happened to you? <laughs> I mean, it, most recently it happened with my daughter who is like, you know, bent on learning how to hand sew. And I'm like, I, I personally, I think that that's a foundation of understanding how thread goes through fabric. And so if I ever had somebody that was a good hand sewer, I know that they were trainable for machines, you know, right, without a right, question. Right. And so um, like it, that literally happened with my own kid who had one of these sewing kits recently. And I'm like, girl, that's like you're going to stretch that felt out and it's not going to do the thing that you want to do it, even in hand sewing. <laughs> no, we're not even, even talking about feed dogs or anything. And she's like, this is garbage. She comes back 20 minutes later. I can't, you know, do it. And, you know, I let my kids cuss because like at home, it's a societal, you know, barrier that I think is bullshit. But they also know to filter themselves um, right. when they're outside of the house. But <laughs> but she uses it correctly. Um but she's like, I don't like this. And I'm like, well, then you don't have to like it. You can just pull your threads out right now. Nothing's set in stone. That's the great part about thread. There's such a thing as a theme ripper. And you can like, and she was trying to do this pink flamingo. And I'm like, you can just get some hot pink floss or some silk ribbon downstairs and just do an outline instead of trying to sew this stretched out felt thing that is driving you crazy. And so like part of it is, you know, having the conversation of like, I got this to like, uh, well, you know, I told you, but I'm glad you were able to come back and we can have this conversation because I didn't mean malice at all by telling you, Hey, that's going to be really hard the way that you're doing it. Right. And you know, or as I say, I I've been doing this, I'm new. I've only been doing this for 40 years, mm, but, right. but I have paid attention in those 40 years. So um, in the end, this, this client was having a freak out because apparently my invoice of cut pattern, adjust and sew labor was not clear enough. She wanted to know exactly how long I'm like, no, I am. I, I don't, I set a clock when I start. I set a clock when I pause. I set a clock when I'm sewing. I set a clock. I pause the clock when I'm eating or going to the bathroom. I set, literally, I'm keeping track of the hours that I am on the machines or on the table mm-hmm. cutting. I can't break that down for you because I that would be a logistical nightmare. It would. I would have to charge you for timekeeping now because uh, i had to make an entire they have a person that just does that like this step takes this long but that's when you're in production mode production right and by the time we get to production we'll know how long because mm-hmm. we will have actually timed it mm-hmm. we will time it yeah you know and then we, we, i remember with with um <laughs> with so fuzzy buns when we gave her the price breakdown now it was going to be that we were only going to make a dollar or a dollar fifty a diaper, but she was going to order millions of them. It made sense for us to do that for a dollar fifty mm-hmm. a diaper. Um, but she was shocked that like we were going to charge uh, a a prorated amount of rent for the machines that we were using for the days that we were using them. And I'm like, that's how it works. We know how much electricity each machine takes because they have a digital counter. You're paying for all of the cost. That is what that is what our quote encapsulates i can't just charge you the price of cutting and sewing because there are so many i even sent this woman all this is what i do 
this is what I've been doing. These are the checks. These are the product flow. I'm teaching her production to make her understand, and she's still not getting it. And then the the um, the amazingly brilliant woman who was the project manager started transferring the pressure that the client was putting on her to finish two days earlier than I said I could do it on me. And I'm like, okay, we're done. You can come and get it. The minute you told me that you would like to come and get it and finish and you would sew it for her on the 23rd, we were done. Because you have mm-hmm. now let a wannabe designer who doesn't know what the fuck she's doing take control. And that is not ever going to work. Doing this for 40 years, trust me. Trust me. You mm-hmm. don't ever let the client take control of the time clock and reset it at whim, ever. Yeah, I think I told you about that one time when my mentor, Judy, was um, at my sewing house and I had a client just drop by and be a total prick. And after they left, she was like, you going to let them talk to you like that? Right. (laughs) And so, like, I'm, you know, as as I am, like, speeding, you know, into my 50s, um, I really wish I had listened more closely to Judy because she's not here anymore. Um, but like she had some really valuable <laughs> lessons. I would have loved to have interviewed her for this. Um, that would have been really fun. She would have been amazing. And we would have had to put up like a double um, adult warning. <laughs> I know, like extra cursing super sailor. <laughs> and, she, and, and she was right. You know, remember the, when, when you when you draped a pair of pants Mm-hmm. And my reaction, I mean, I, I, I didn't embarrass you or shame you about it, but my years, I'm like, oh, wow, wow, you <laughs> draped a pair of slacks, did you now? Um, and, and thank God you were the type of person that, that when it came time to really approach doing slacks, I was like, ma'am, you don't drape slacks. You just don't. <laughs> That's a flat pattern. You make up your cell, you put it on your 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 uh, legged dummy, you see what worked and didn't, you adjust the pattern. You can't mm-hmm. drape slacks. I, I can't <laughs> think of it. And get a guy like, I don't, I can't think of any scenario in which I would think, wow, I need to drape those slacks. Um, because <laughs> even if having drape in the slack is part of it, you also still have to have the, um, the firm construction of waistband and crotch and zipper or side zipper and pockets. So it's, it's not part of a pant is never going to be drapey. It's going to be constructed. And that's a flat patterning thing. Mm-hmm. It is. Can you it drape is. pants? Sure. Should you drape <laughs> pants? Absolutely not. If you want to drape pants and make it look like a dress, then drape them. <laughs> right. Then drape. Well, in the end, I Maybe. am happy mm-hmm. to report that, that um, the product project manager, who I, I'm still hoping to partner with, if, if um, we can get past this one not so positive experience with a client who wasn't ready, she she did tell the client that for the next set of things that you want that are basically custom, you need to find yourself a dressmaker or a tailor, and you need to be prepared to pay to have that done as a custom piece. Mm-hmm. No, Mr. Benson is not interested in making you custom pieces. That is not a business model that he desires because his custom pieces are ten thousand dollars. Yeah. A simple custom. I mean, when when people used to come to me in Austin and ask me how much a wedding dress was, and I realized that this was going to be somebody who was very budget conscious, I would tell them, 
I have a bolt of tube fabric. I will cut it and hem it at the top and the bottom. And that alone is $900 as my base price. Mm-hmm. So if you are looking for a budget dress, I would suggest driving up Jones Road until it turns into Sunset Valley Road. And that will lead you to David's Bridal. Buy your budget dress there. Be prepared to pay a fortune to have it altered. Mm-hmm. Just ran into that in Austin with one of the brides that's getting married at the same time my nephew is. Bought herself a fairly nice dress, but it was a budget dress. And now they want to charge her like $2,000 to alter it. Well, that's the game. That's the game that David's bridal pays. She would have done better to have a custom dressmaker make her the whole dress. It would have cost her less than the dress and the alteration. But, but So, you know, I would just tell people I'm not going to I I don't think that I'm Valentino or Dior. I am not going to necessarily charge you one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for your dream dress. But I'm also not David's bridal. A wedding, a basic wedding dress. It's a tube with a hem at the top and the bottom is nine hundred dollars. If that hasn't shocked you, then we can talk. Mm-hmm. True. You know, a, a basic wedding, a basic, basic, basic wedding dress is about five thousand dollars. If if I if if it's not overly beaded or complex, a basic wedding dress with the infrastructure, with the um, internal structure, with the outer, and with any of the embellishments that's perfectly fitted with a very expensive size five zipper, you're looking at about five grand. Yeah. And more and if you try to bring me a pattern. <laughs> and I think a lot of it is, you know, the ex- again, the expectation um, or the undervalue um, of what we do and how long we've been doing it and how we can help you as a designer. You didn't come to us just to come to us. You came to us for a reason because you saw something in our aesthetic that you would like to portray too. And so like it's, it's hard sometimes when you're doing that custom kind of work um, and brides, especially, (laughs) did I say that really harshly? Um, And so, uh, you know, that's its own audience. We could save that for a (laughs) topic. Um, But I think like, you know, wrapping today up, really what we've been talking about is what are these production cost breakdowns and what you're paying for essentially is our expertise and our reputation in the sourcing part of fashion. And and, um, and do not misrepresent the scale of your project. Yes, If please. you really just want me to make you some one-offs so that you can get a take on how the public receives your idea, be honest about that. Yeah. I may still give you a price break, but I'm not yeah. going to give you production pricing because production pricing is always predicated on actually having production follow. Yeah. And, pl- and please be um, like intent about your production. Just be upfront, like be, a, well, be more well, honest. You know, We're trying to be honest with you too. <laughs> I, I posted and then um, made it private because it was, it was a little too close to identifying who I was speaking with. Mm-hmm. But I basically came to the conclusion that the positive side of this experience was that I reminded myself why I swore I would never start with startups. If they are not ready for um, acceleration, I don't want them. I don't want somebody that needs to be incubated. I don't want somebody that's not even ready to be incubated 
let alone somebody that just needs to be incubated. I'll take you on if you're ready to be accelerated from you have your shit together. You just need to understand how to scale up and go to market. I will take the time to educate you there because in the end, do you know where I make most of my money when I'm doing production for somebody? It is not not that $1.50 that I'm going to make on the dress. It is from the sourcing. Mm-hmm. I, I will I will sell you fabric cheaper than you could ever find it from anyone else. I'm going to sell you 100,000 yards and I'm going to make $2 a yard, which is far less than anyone else was going to make to sell it to you. Uh, and then I'm going to make a buck 50 per garment. So I'm actually making a living. I can pay people a living wage and I can uh, have uh, resources to build and better my business. But don't waste my time. And brides, here's my final words for those of you that want to do bridal work. I did not do bridal work for four years. I had the most horrifying experience with a (laughs) sweet hippie girl in Austin, Texas. Uh, Her name was actually Karen before we knew how bad a Karen could be. She might have actually been the prototype Karen. Um, And I swore off wedding dresses and didn't do one for four years at all. And then I realized that I am in charge of the experience. So when brides come to me, I ask them, how far out is your wedding? If their wedding is not at least six months out, I tell them we're not going to be a good fit. Why? I'd also tell them that I will have their dress done within three months. And then they are not to call me until after they're married. And they laugh and think that I'm joking. I'm No, I'm serious. If you gain weight or lose weight, do not call me. Go to a dressmaker or an alteration specialist. Why? Because it is that three-month period before the wedding in which a bride tends to lose her mind from all of the pressure that is placed on her to have a perfect experience. So you've got to be at least six months out, which gives me three months to make your dress, and uh, a three-month buffer between you and your wedding at which point you are not supposed to call me until you want to send me pictures of yourself in the dress I made you. Don't call me. Don't stop by. Don't send me a thank you card. Mm. And that has been safe. And my brides actually appreciate that. They appreciate it. Yeah. You're going to have the, no, no, I no, I understand that you have three months, but it's about three months to do a, a wedding gown. No, it doesn't take me three months to make it, but to actually come up with a design to work with you to measure you to do fittings it's about a three-month process why because i'm not just working on your wedding dress i'm also making tablecloths by the way i'm making far more money for tablecloths than i have for your wedding dress so there's my priority but um you've got to have six months and and i'm going to deliver it to you in no less than three months from your wedding and you are literally not to call me because i won't (laughs) deal with bridal crazy or or worse bridal mother crazy Oh, or bridal no. sisters crazy don't need it yeah have have somebody else do your family stuff <laughs> I, I mean I, 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 the actual like when i'm doing it right obviously get a therapist to do that shit with um if i'm doing a a a, a an applique heavy beaded gown i might actually spend a month of labor on it right mm-hmm. um i don't need to deal with your insanity during that month oh yeah because your hands like you <laughs> People don't understand, like when you're under a lot of pressure, that you your hands just kind shake. of shake, give out on you. There's like my best analogy was when I worked in um, the tech field in Austin. Was um, 
we would always have our programmers come back to us um, when we were doing QA, uh, quality assurance for programming, <clears throat> make sure that it was okay to put in front of people and it was working the way that it was supposed to be working. And they're like, can't you do this faster? We're like, uh, well, it's like, it's like a woman, it takes nine, 10 months to have a baby, right? You can't put nine women in a room for a month and expect to have a baby at the end of it. I mean, like you just can't throw, generally speaking, you can't just throw people at something and, and fix it and make it work. Um, and I think that that is, um, you know, across the working field um, misconception about how work gets ramped up. Um, and so... You know, like it, all of it's just kind of crazy making. Um, well, there, there's no mad, there are no shoe elves, there <laughs> are no tailoring elves. I've tried leaving out gourmet cookies, the motherfuckers never show up. The amount of work that I leave on the table is still there in the morning for me to deal with, and that is the reality. People, this is a complex system, just the creation of a gown or a dress, or a suit, or a bathing suit, or a bra, or a panty, is a complex system. And mm -hmm. then when you add the apparel into the apparel industry, it is a massive global complex system. You're never going to rewrite the rules just because you think you're special. Um. And that's my last word. You can't <laughs> rewrite the rules because you think you're special. You can't. Yeah. It is yeah. what it is. There are limitations to all the things. Um, and then there's also gratuity and acknowledgement for people's skill set. And I think that I'd love to see more of that in your life. And I want to manifest that. Right. right. I love, <laughs> I, I, much like you, I love what I do. I love the work. I love the creative side. I probably like manufacturing for other people a little bit more than you do yeah, because probably. I'm a bit more of a prick when I start and I have very incredibly firm boundaries from the get-go and will fire a bitch like that for being crazy like we're done mm -hmm. um, but I am not having a hobby this is not my hobby this is mm -hmm. my career yep. and as a career I have to be able to afford to do what I do my cover stitch machine is a $9,000 cover stitch machine mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because it is magnetically cooled and automatically adjusts to the fabric that I'm sewing. I don't have to do as much adjustment on this cover stitch as I do the Yamoto cover stitch. Um, it can still make mistakes. I still need to set the machine up and make certain that the needles are going to the right depth, for the especially if I have elastic in one part of it and not the other. Um, I do have to do some manual adjustment, but it's a $9,000 machine, people, and all it does is cover stitch. Yeah, so and you're and you're I've getting pay to pay the that. use for that time on that machine. Like and so people don't realize how much I mean, even my home machine that I got as quote unquote my backup when the mask stuff was going down and my real machine shit the bed. Right. Um I ended up getting another baby lock because that's a home machine. Shout out baby lock, you wanna sponsor us. Um that when um, my other baby lock, you know, was needing service. That's when everybody was like, we can sew masks for the, you know, hospital population when none of it was like sterilized, couldn't be used in the hospital. And, but right. people were going crazy about it. 
And um, so I ended up buying a floor model. And even my floor model was almost a thousand dollars. I because... remember trying to even find a sewing machine during that insanity. And oh, then yeah. the fights the fights that we had with people who were angry that we were charging 10, 20, 30. I, I had some going for 55 because they were couture and beaded. I'm like, the hospital doesn't treat me for free. <laughs> right. If the local hospital wants to give me credit for my next visit, I will give them free masks. But trust me, the motherfuckers can afford them. Well, and I've had so many people like, well, you donated so-and-so elastic to so-and-so. And I'm like, yeah, that's my prerogative. You know, I knew that that particular group of people were making masks for veterinarians who had to surrender their masks. So, like, <laughs> there was so right? much stuff on the back end that people just don't even know that we deal with. <laughs> like, they don't even know. And that, well, that was such a debacle with the, the people stealing them. Oh, you know, God, all, yeah. the Postal Service was, was only sending things that were priority. So we were all told to mark them as PPP. Mm -hmm. PPE professional, yeah. PPP was the thing that that only wealthy people apparently qualified for. PPE, personal protective equipment. So we all started labeling our packages PPE, which all that was was a sign to I don't know the postal workers, people who saw them on porches to just rip them off. Hundreds and hundreds of masks never got delivered, and 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 here locally, a, a postmaster, I'm not going to say which one, told me basically they were pretty certain that they were never even scanned in. So oh. somebody saw all of these masks, and I get it. No one could find them. And Everybody these postal workers nuts. were face-to-face -face with people constantly. They didn't get to take a day off. Yeah. So they, they took the masks. I guess that's okay. Sorry for the people that never got your mask, I, but that wasn't on me. That was not on me. We, we had never experienced that. And then if you didn't mark them PPE, it could take them six months to go. Yeah, we had lots of delays. And, and I had lots of packages stolen um, and it was just like, it, all of that was a really, really, really sucky time for sure. Well, shit, Benson, I have to scoot. Yeah, it was a good, I good am, talk, uh, good, good episode. And we have our episode already recorded for today. It's yeah. a deep one. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's triggering. So be sure when you put that episode up that you do mark it with a trigger warning. Okay, I'm writing that down. Sorry for the delay there. <laughs> But I will um, post both of those up, and then um, we're going to have a delayed posting on Friday, if you're okay with that. Sure, whatever. All right. I will give you a call Friday afternoon. All right, ma'am. I will see you. Good to talk with you. I love you hard. Tell the littles I love them, and I think about them every day. All right. Thanks for being my PFF. <laughs> Thank you for being my PFF. You have a good one, Mama. Bye. Thank you for being our PFFs today. It's been Phone a Fashion Friend. Phone a Fashion Fuck Up. Whatever. We appreciate you listening. Go to advancedfashiondisruption.com and you can listen to all of our episodes or whatever profile, papada, papalapas, dopalips, whatever platform that you like to listen to your podcasts on. And as always, if you'd like to go to the website and click on Angel for Fashion, please support Ukrainian designers and stay tuned. Up next, we have our regularly scheduled episode, episode 11. Thanks for joining us this season. We appreciate every single one of you. But we especially appreciate those that go to our Patreon and buy us a cup of coffee. Thanks again.